Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Good morning, Connect. We are in the midst of 21 days of prayer, like Tyler mentioned, and it's been a good ride so far, eight days in. If you haven't downloaded the app, definitely do that because it's a good way to keep track of you know the day we're on, but also it's a good way to get into that rhythm of praying every day like we're trying to do. But it's not that we're just trying to be really good at praying for 21 days. We're trying to develop a habit that lasts much longer than that. So again, I would encourage you to download that, but also um, start with us this Sunday after we um, talk about how to pray together this morning. Um, It'll be a great way to practice that in our community groups and with our families and such. So highly encourage you to do that. Um, Perhaps praying by yourself, like um, Chris talked about last week, has always been, um, you know, something that you've been wanting to work on and things like that. But then when you think about praying with other people, like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say anything in front of people. It's uncomfortable. It's hard. You know, praying by yourself is hard enough. But when you throw in others, that makes it tricky. So what do you do? And that's often what I've wondered too, is like, what's the best step? What's the best method? How do I say things when I pray with other people? I had to figure this out pretty quickly when I uh, was in eighth grade. Um, I participated in this thing called See You at the Pole. Maybe you've heard of it. It's been around for a little bit. But in my community, there was a bunch of different middle schools and high schools that we would kind of spread out and go to these flagpoles in front of the school building and pray as a group of friends um, before school started. And so the Sunday before, the Wednesday that it happened, um, there was a little rally in our city park, and we got a bunch of different churches and youth groups together. And what we did was we planned out what we were going to do. And so I lived near a middle school, not too far from my house, that had, I don't know, maybe five or so students that came. And so while the other high school and middle school, they had these crowds, people planning for theirs, there were just five of us around our little picnic table planning for our CU at the Pole Rally. And so we picked out some worship songs because someone said they were going to do guitar. And then someone's going to bring snacks and we're going to make it this little thing. Um, I felt pretty confident and excited, like, okay, this will be kind of fun. It's just the five of us. We'll try praying together. We'll see how it goes. And so the days go on, and Wednesday arrives. And Wednesday comes, and it's just me and one other person. And I was unsure of what to do. And so we prayed together, and it just felt awkward. I was like, this doesn't have anything, any effect or power. Like, people were looking at us. We had granola bars thrown at us. It was just a weird experience. And I was like, if this is what praying with other people is like, it doesn't seem very good to me. It just, I don't know, I'd rather just pray at home by myself or like, you know, just kind of pray in a closet or like, as the scripture says, you know, just is just best to do that. But sometimes we take that too literally and we're like, man, I, I don't even want to get out. I'm just going to keep my prayer life all to myself. That seems easiest at times. But praying with others is really important partly because we see it throughout scripture, that praying together is critical to who we are as Christians and to how we worship and also to how we um, move forward as well. So maybe you've had an experience with praying with other people that wasn't maybe the best. Maybe you had a really good one too. We've all have experiences across the board. Um, But if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be hanging out this morning there to study what the church did to pray together when Peter and John had an interesting experience. 
Um, before we dive into that, um, we're going to have to cover some background. But if you want to pull up your Bible app or if you want to download our free church app, you can follow on, take notes there. Highly encourage it. You can bring it to community group later this week. So go ahead and download that if you haven't already. It's a great resource. But diving into this, there's some background to Acts chapter 4 because we're not going to go through the whole chapter. It's a really neat story, so maybe this week you should read it. But here's essentially what happens to get us to the point where we are, starting in verse 23 later. So Acts 4 begins with Peter and John, and they are walking to the temple. There's this beggar along the road to the temple near the stairs, and this beggar is lame. He can't walk. And he hasn't been able to walk for decades. He's just been sitting there begging, trying to get what he needs to, to buy food. And so when Peter and John walked by, he asked them, can, can you give anything? He asked, can you give alms? And Peter and John, they don't have any money with them. But Peter says this, I don't have money, but I can give you something better. I can give you the ability to walk. And so that's what he tells the man. He says, get up and walk, and the man does, and everyone is astonished because they've seen this man by the road not being able to walk begging for, for years and years. So it's a big deal, especially on the way to the temple where all kinds of people pass by. They've seen this man countless times, so they know that something is different. And so Peter and John go into the temple, and this man is clinging to them because he is overjoyed that he has this ability to walk now. And it causes quite a stir. Everyone's talking about it. There's murmurs through the crowd. And Peter and John, they are preaching the word. They are talking about that Jesus is the one who makes this possible. It's through him that he, uh, Peter and John did this. And then the religious leaders come into the picture. They are not happy about this stir that is happening in their temple. And even more than that, they are not happy about this name of Jesus being preached uh, Peter's talking about the resurrection. They don't like any of this, so they decide to let's be find a way to shut this down. So the next day, they bring Peter and John into the temple and kind of interrogate them, like tell them to stop doing what they're doing. Peter says, I'm not going to stop preaching the name of Jesus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit when he says that. And so the religious leaders, they threaten them, but they know they can't really do anything because the crowd is so excited about what has happened. So they just give him a lot of threats and tell him, don't do this again and send Peter and John on their way. And so that brings us to where we're going to begin in verse 23 of chapter 4. Peter and John are just leaving, and they're going to come to the church and bring a request to them. So this piece is going to be really important for us to learn how to pray together. So I want you to pay attention to what the church says as they do that, and also how we can embody the same spirit that they do. Before we do that, I think it's good that we practice praying together by praying for this message. So will you bow with me? God, I thank you for your word and um, the wisdom and the truth that it speaks. Help us to soak that in as we learn how to pray together. Uh, we want to be a people that are filled with the Spirit, that are bold, um, that work together. And we know that one of the best ways we can do that is by praying together. It helps us stick on mission. It helps us um, see your will. So help us to understand what you're trying to show us and help us to put this into practice well. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. So our passage begins in verse 23. It says this, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So Peter and John, they went back to their friends and family, their, their community. Um, this would probably be a lot of the church members in Jerusalem. And so they go there, and even though it doesn't explicitly say this in the text, one can assume after being 
threatened and yelled at and held by the religious leaders, they probably are a little nervous. They've probably got, you know, how, wondering how the future is going to play out. When you have big, powerful people threaten you, it's a little scary. But also, they went to their community because that's what you do when you're unsure about the future, when you're nervous, worried, uh, and you need some support. You know, remember that one time that, I don't know, perhaps you had your close circle around you and something really hard happens, you're going to share it. You want some support, and so that's what they do. And when they do that, the community's reaction immediately is prayer. They don't, you know, maybe console and say, offer advice about how to handle this. That's not their first reaction. Uh, they don't show empathy and just focus on the feelings. That's not it either. Their first reaction is going to be to pray. You know, how often when you hear something hard, when you're working with your family, with friends, your community, your first reaction is to pray. I know for me, it often isn't. Um, when friends or family share hard things with me, one of my first instincts is I want to help fix it, like make it better and help them out or show empathy and just walk with them through the hard journey that it is. And both of those things in their respective amounts are good and, and probably needed at some points. But oftentimes, I rarely ever think to pray first for what they're going through or for how they should move forward. So that's the first point that we see. Before they even pray together and before we even know what they're going to say, we know that they're about to pray, and that's what we should pay attention to, is that we pray together when members of our community face difficulty. It's an important step that, yes, we need to show empathy, we need to show um, wisdom and how to face uh, the things that are coming forward, but we also need to pray first. So we pray together when members of our community face difficulty. In moments when we're unsure, it's the best way to handle things. So the account is going to continue. They pray first, and this is what they say, starting in verse 24 of the second half. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. All right, this prayer, part of the prayer is also important. The church community is reflecting on something that God has done. In fact, they're reflecting on what God has done throughout a number of events in history. And we do this in our communities too. In fact, we often do this when we're with some of our close circles in that we recount on why we're together or what has brought us together. Um, for me, oftentimes, I might do this with some of my college friends. I have some really good friends that were my roommates too, and oftentimes we'll reminisce on stories on the things that maybe it's closer. So we lived through a year of COVID together in our apartment, and we did a lot of crazy things. We did a lot of fun stuff outside. And when we talk together, we often reminisce about those things. Perhaps you do that with your family. You talk about a favorite vacation that you had, or a coworker, a, a big project that you guys got through. We do this as humans because we love to stay connected and remember what has happened to bring us to where we are now. And that's what the church does in this passage. They're talking about what God has done, what he has done in the past, um, what he has predicted, and how he has been faithful and powerful. Um, they talk about how he had a plan for Jesus to go to the cross. And that, that's what they mentioned is that Pontius Pilate and, and Herod were conspiring against them. 
But ultimately, God was able to work something out of that, and that was the resurrection, that Jesus had to die so that he could save sins of the world. And so they're reflecting on God has worked through things that have seemingly been against the people, that conspire against what he is planning to do. But he works through that and brings something good. And so they remember, because that is what has made the church the church, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Recalling is important. So point number two is this. When we pray together, we praise and remember what God has done. That's an important part to remember our identity as a church, as a community, is that we have to remember who God is and what he has done. And when we do that, when we remember what God has done, we should be encouraged to ask big things. Because if we see that God is consistent in this way to do big things in the past, then he is going to be consistent and do big things in the future too. And that's why we can ask boldly of him. So picking up in verse 29, the prayer continues in this way. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice something about the request of God. Um, what did they ask God to do? Well, they didn't say, God, remove the religious leaders, make them go away, like take care of them, make it easy for them to go through. They didn't ask that. Uh, they didn't ask God to change their hearts to make it easier for Peter and John to preach. No, instead they prayed big. They asked God to give strength and boldness. It seems a little counterintuitive. Maybe God removed the obstacles out of the way, but instead they said empower, embolden Peter and John to do what they are called to do. And that's a big prayer. It's a little risky. It's a little scary. But that's, that's the prayer that the church wanted to give for them because it's bold. And given who we know God to be, he does big and bold things. And so we can trust him to do the same with Peter and John. Instead, they prayed big. Corrie ten Boom uh, once said this quote, and it's a famous one, but she asked, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Ten Boom and her family, they helped um, Jews escape during the Nazi regime, and they risked a lot um, to bring them to safety. Uh, eventually, she was later arrested and sent to a concentration camp with her sister, but they smuggled in a Bible and led Bible studies. Uh, Corrie ten Boom was a really cool woman of faith, but she definitely lived life with prayer as her steering wheel. Given what she went through, there's no other way it could have happened. And so how are we as a church handling that? Are we choosing to live with prayer as our steering wheel or as the spare tire? If we look at the example in Acts here, we're pretty clearly seeing that they are choosing to be guided by prayer, that they are pointing their direction. They are steering in the way that God wants them to go with prayer. And so Based on that, we should know this, that number three, when we pray together, we pray boldly. When we pray together, we pray boldly because God is big and he can handle our big requests. But we also trust him. We want to put our faith in him. And so that's a great way to do that is by asking bold things of him in prayer. It takes faith and trust that God hears that and that he will follow through. The church put that faith in him. So the effects of this, the prayer that the church is giving um, come through in this passage uh, at the end in verse 31. It says this in verse 31, After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Have you ever prayed so much or so powerfully that you felt the Holy Spirit shake the room? 
I can't say that I have. I really wish. I bet it was a really cool experience. The Holy Spirit came and moved where they were. Um, I think this isn't necessarily the, the rule or the case for every time we pray together, but I also think it's pretty good evidence that God is willing to do big things, that he's willing to move when his people ask. I think it would be so cool if we prayed and the Holy Spirit came in. It's okay if he doesn't, but the Holy Spirit is evident in other ways too. Um, perhaps through the empowered conversations that you have throughout the week, uh, perhaps the things you do or serve here at church or in the community, like the Holy Spirit comes through in big ways too. You see, the end of this story clearly demonstrates that when the church asks boldly, when we pray together and ask something in faith and something that needs an answer that only God can provide, the Holy Spirit moves in big ways. God is not afraid to show up when we ask big things. I think one tangible way that we do this is often when someone gets baptized um, here at Connect, um, after they do, we pray for them. And one thing that we do is that we all stretch out our arms over them. And uh, there's not necessarily anything magical about it. That's not the point. But it is a cool symbol of like laying our hands in support and love, but also to ask the Holy Spirit to come and move to fill that person um, once they've been baptized. And I think that's a neat way that we see that today, that we can stand together and ask boldly for the Holy Spirit to come. And so the fourth point about when we pray together is this, that when we pray together, we open the door for the Holy Spirit to move. And it's one of the most powerful and transformative aspects of our prayers together as a community. It matters a lot. And so when you're in your community group this week, um, you're wondering, you know, where's the Holy Spirit? Just ask. As a group together, um, feel empowered to see what God is leading you to do. Maybe the way you can serve as a group. Maybe how your family can serve. Um, maybe the people in your life that just need a word from God. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit empowers to do. A bold thing. Maybe this morning, though, you're realizing that um, praying together is just is still uncomfortable. Even with these things that we see the church to do, you, you see that praying together is a powerful thing. But maybe when it's your turn to say something or you don't know how to lead together in prayer, it, it seems difficult. Um, last week, we learned a lot of examples about how Jesus did that by himself. Like He, he prayed, but oftentimes we, we still wonder, like how should we do that? And one thing is just be yourself in that Jesus asked us to you know, go to the Father with the request on our heart. And so when we pray together, say what's on your heart. You know your community. You know your people. We know our church. And so we are of one mind in many ways, and we can speak for one another. So pray what God has put on your heart. And the other thing is to pray um, with a wider mindset, that we get to pray for other people in this room. We get to pray for our community. And so pray with eyes and lenses for all of our community around us. And that isn't just for this community here, but also for the one outside these walls, for the hospital and for the people at the grocery store, for the city. Those are ways that we can wind our lens in how we pray together. Community, when we pray, is very, very important. Um, I think another reason that prayer together is so, so critical is that we often go about our week feeling alone. And sometimes we don't feel like we can ask God something because it's been so hard this week or we just feel beaten down, downtrodden. And one of the best ways that we can be encouraged is when we gather with our people, when even if it's just another friend and you pray together and maybe that person prays for you. I think that'd be a really cool thing. Prayer together works. 
Um, perhaps you're in a season, though, where the Holy Spirit feels really vibrant. Maybe prayer together is a really great thing. It's easy. You've done it before. Um, and as Chris mentioned from Luke 11, when we ask for the Spirit, God graciously and gladly gives that to his people. And maybe you, you feel that super strongly, and that's awesome. If you're in that boat, um, I would love for you to like pray for other people, to step in, to, to speak for other people when they might not be able to talk to God and it might be hard. You get to lead and love in that way. Um, use that spirit gifting, that empowerment to love and lead well with the people here. Um, for all of us, one of the best ways that we can practice how to pray together is actually coming up this Thursday night from 6.30 uh, to, I think, 8.30, something like that. Um, and we're going to gather at Monk and Mongoose. And what's really cool is that we're going to sing some songs, but we're going to have different moments to pray together. We're going to have different pray, prayer prompts uh, about our community here as a church, as the city of Lone Tree, South Denver. And I think it's going to be a great idea to put this into practice because there is something empowering when we get to speak to God together on behalf of one another, but also um, in the hopes of God to do something big and to move. So mark your calendars this Thursday. It's going to be a really great way to put this into practice. So just as Corey Ten Boom asked, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Let's live as people that pray, as people that want to steer to what God is doing. Because that is worthwhile, that is a worthy goal, and it's the one that provides life too. Everything comes together quite simply in this way, that praying together, when you pray together, you need to do it with faith and boldness. So go out in your community groups, in your families, in your, your places of work this week, and pray together with faith and with boldness. Because God honors that, he hears that, and he wants to use us to be bold and to have faith and show that he is working in the midst of everything that we do. So with that, let's pray together and thank God for this opportunity to pray as a people and to see him move. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ways that you've taught us to pray together, um, both through the examples of Jesus, also through this example of Acts. So we see uh, the new church coming together around Peter and John to pray bold things, to ask for your power and your spirit to come in. Um, give us a vision for the things that you want us to do as a, as a church. Uh, help us to ask you for bold things and help us to serve and follow through in those requests too. Uh, I pray for uh, those who are just looking for people to be prayed over and maybe some support and prayer. I ask that you would provide that in a really cool way, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the privilege that we get to talk to you. You are a good and gracious God in that way. Continue your sons, and we pray. Amen.